Look at my butt. Show number 296 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, let's get started. Here we are back for another show talking about Star Trek, which is a show that we both like very, very much. And it's such a good thing we have Star Trek and have this podcast because I'm enduring the longest winter ever. (laughs) It's been such a long winter. It started in February of 2020. (laughs) And now your winter is coming here to Northern California because we got your hail yesterday. It was crazy. Yep. Yep. We're taking, we're taking over everything. I don't want winter. I want it to be warmer. But anyway, yes, so we are here to do more talking about William Shatner yes. and Star yes. Trek. So the first thing we, we wanted to talk about, which is actual news, well, there is actual news this week, is that there was an announcement from um, the people who make movies that there's going to be another Star Trek movie with uh, Chris Pine at all starring in it. And this was big news because nobody was really sure whether another movie was going to happen. And there have been so many movies mm-hmm. proposed with different people directing and everyone was like, yay. And I think they said it was going to be in theaters like December of 2023 or something. Right. They were, they were planning to start filming later yes. this year. And then uh, yesterday <laughs> or today, there was another news report that said, oh, you know what? Actually, the actor's didn't agree to do this <laughs> the actors weren't even aware and they all kind of looked up and called their agents and said did you agree to this and they just go we didn't they didn't talk, they didn't to, talk us. to us oh abrams here's a quote from abrams during the announcement we are thrilled to say we are hard at work on a new star trek film that we'll be shooting by the end of the year that will be featuring our original cast And then this article in The Hollywood Reporter goes on to say, The proclamation came as a surprise, not just to observers who have been watching the movie studio haltingly try to revive Trek on the big screen, but to the actors and their representatives as well. (laughs) Um, And, okay, I know Chris Pine is a a much-in-demand actor, and uh, Zachary Quinto seems to be working regularly. Are they not already booked up? This is what I was thinking. They, I, I mean, <laughs> actors of their caliber are generally booked up two to three years in advance, right? They mm-hmm. have things that they have to do and places to go. I Simon Pegg is a busy guy. He's like yeah. you know, writing and directing. Carl Urban has been in everything. He's been extremely mm-hmm. busy. Um, same with the other folks, Zoe Saldana and, and John Cho. I mean, <laughs> they're not sitting around waiting for someone to call and go, hey, would you like to be in another Star Trek movie? So exactly. I think this is all bullshit. I don't think they're going to be filming a movie this year, maybe next year, but oh, that seems weird. Maybe it was a really stupid gamble on their part to sort of force the actors' hands. I thought about that, and it's possible that they tried. It's it's very stupid, though, because... Yeah, it's idiotic. I mean, the actors, of course, would want to be in it if it's going to be a good script and everything, because they see the value Mm -hmm. of continuing that franchise, but they can't give up paid work and contracts that they've already (laughs) agreed to do just to do this thing. Is there any talk about who's writing the script and who's directing? Because I just read an article that went straight through the whole history of all these different versions trying to get made since the last one. And there has been like at least two complete or nearly complete scripts and four different directors attached to it. So this article that I'm looking at in the reporter does not say who's writing the script. It says that the person who's going to direct it is a guy named Matt Shackman, whose latest directing credit was WandaVision, which I watched and loved. I thought it was great. But I couldn't get into WandaVision, but that's another story. But it, I mean, WandaVision is about as different from Star Trek as you could possibly imagine. You know, <laughs> it, it was a very yeah. weird, like, sort of meta take on comics and tv sitcoms and you mm-hmm. know melding in all this like weird marble marvel mythology and it was not like a straight ahead kind of action adventure thing like star trek has been so i mean it could be good but it seems like an odd choice if they want to continue to do what they've done with the other movies but i mean do they mm-hmm. want the new movie to be a psychological thriller i don't know that would be different 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing this article points out is that um, if they really are working on a new movie, the budget is going to have to expand exponentially to accommodate mm-hmm. all these actors who haven't signed. <laughs> yes. It's not like they're going to take less money. So if they have a budget, mm-hmm. they've just blown it by doing this. They're going to need a lot more money. Right, because the actors can say, hey, you announced I'm in it. Yeah. You know, and nobody's going to blame me if I'm not in it because you won't cough yes, up the money. exactly. Ugh, idiots. So uh, we'll God. see what happens with that. I mean, t- now it's almost March, and they are saying it's going to start filming this year. And I- I'm going to lay money down that that is not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think they're going to recast it either. I think they're just not going to do it. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that is my guess. I Yeah, I think you're right. I bet the, the higher, higher, higher up said, you make this happen or it's yeah. over. I, I, I can't help but think that it might have been one of those cases where the people with the money were like, okay, you, you've signed the actors, right? They're gonna they're on board with this. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> definitely. They definitely are. Yep. 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 <laughs> it says, it says so. so. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I sure wouldn't mind if they kicked J.J. Abrams oh. out on his pretentious Star Wars loving yeah, ass. Yeah, that would be all right. I'd go with that. Ugh. Um, so referencing the article you were just talking about, which is in uh, mm-hmm. Looper, this was incredibly comprehensive, um, talking about Wasn't all it? of the twists and turns of Quentin Tarantino's involvement in Trek, which looks like it's sort of at an end right now, as far as I can tell. It does, yes, but, um, yes. It's, I would recommend people go read it to, excuse me, find out what the, the whole story is, because I'd never read all of these different pieces laid out in an actual timeline. Right, yeah. So um, that was very, you know, interesting to see. I mean, it's like a pinball. It really game, is. You um, know, and I was also uh, surprised to see that um, you know they'd actually gotten a whole script together because I think the last time we'd seen news, it was like they were working on a script or or they had mm-hmm. ideas because it was supposed to be based on piece of the action and you know they they kind of had a story but not an actual script and apparently they did have an actual script. Well, that's got to be leaked. Yes. Soon. You, yes, you would <laughs> definitely think so. Um, yeah. So uh, there was something about Bill in here that I thought was a weird quote and I was wondering if they had sort of screwed it up. So they talked about how different people either liked it or didn't like it. So most of the cast of the movies thought it was mm-hmm. a good idea. Um, Rod Roddenberry didn't think it was a good idea. He's, and yeah, he's not, not happy, happy about that. About that. Yeah. Um, fans were sort of divided about it as, as we were, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know about that. And then here's this quote from uh, Bill, who says he expressed his love for the director and his passionate longing to return as Captain Kirk. What? Really? This is what the article says. So I think they're making. I know, this up. I, and I'm thinking maybe Bill smiled as he said it, and they decided passionate longing. Yeah, okay. So quote: Quentin Tarantino said something in the paper that somebody said to me that he loved me. <laughs> And Quentin, I love you. If you're going to do Star Trek, hey, 50 years later, a few pounds heavier, come on, not a problem. I'd like to do it. Whether I'd be up for it, I don't know. Like, what? Yeah, I know. I'd like to do it, but I might not be up for doing it. So I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. That seems odd. But, you know, it's Bill, so who the hell knows what it could mean. That's and right. also, he's yeah. not going to reprise his role as Captain Kirk. Let's just be clear about that. That's not happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe he'll play a big tribble. So, yeah, there we go. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with all these things. You know, it seems so weird to me that they would even want to put a lot of effort into a movie, given how successful and how many different Trek things are happening on Paramount Plus right now. I know. You know, like, I, I see that the movies were a good way to keep people interested in Star Trek as a concept while there wasn't a lot happening on TV, like pre-Discovery and mm-hmm. pre-Picard and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, you know, do some movies, keep people interested in Star Trek and 
that gets people pumped for the stuff that is coming. But now there are so many things that people are pretty invested in on TV. Mm-hmm. Why split off the attention for another movie? Like maybe wait a little bit before you do something else or yeah. do a completely different thing. Rather, as we've talked about like a million times, like just do mm-hmm. something different. Yeah. Although I am still eagerly anticipating Strange New Worlds. Yes. That, you know, that's the one that I want to see what So two things about Strange New Worlds. One is that Paramount released a couple of um, images from the series that they've shot because it's happening really soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they wrapped yeah, they just did. like last that's week. Right. Um, I don't like the uniforms. I'm just going to say it. I don't think they look okay. very good, but I'm sure I'll get over it. Um, well, and maybe they'll change. Well, not if they finish no, shooting they, they won't this be changing. season. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think they look as good. Um, okay. The other thing is that it came out that they've cast someone as the character to bring. Yes. And of course, there were people going, um, well, maybe it's not the same character. It's like, okay, come on. No. <laughs> they said that Some... when everybody was thinking Tapau yeah. was Tapau yeah. or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just dragging okay. that out again. And every time they announce, we've cast someone to play Riley or to bring or anybody, I'm like, no. So go your own way. You've got enough of a basis there in your top three yeah. characters. <laughs> There was an image that was either leaked or released or whatever, and it's it's Spock and T'Pring as adults. It looks like them in adult form, mm-hmm. that, and their faces are very close together. I don't know what's going on. Could be anything. It could be photo manipulated for all we know. You know, if mm-hmm. it was humans, you'd be like, oh, it looks like they're going to kiss each other. But I'm not going to put that out there. But it brings up the question. You know, in canon, of course, Spock didn't see her after they were betrothed as children he says mm-hmm. that flat out that that is his quote yep. like i haven't seen her so what is this and how is she factoring into this is this i, I mean i don't i just don't see how it can be possible and and be canon compliant in the way that we'd like it to be yeah but hey anything is possible <laughs> It's Star Trek. <laughs> it's a new Star Trek. So uh, if people have theories about how this might work or anything, you know, we'd love to hear your take on it. Uh, I'm totally with you on this one. It's like, stop, please, resurrecting all these, you know, tertiary characters that we don't really need to see for the new series. And they, there's um, a character who is Khan's granddaughter like, or something. Khan, stop. And... We don't need to do oh, it. Are we going to see, you know... Little Harry Mud is a teenager. Oh, just stop. Just stop it. Yes. So the galaxy has to be bigger yes, than that. Yes, it absolutely does. So we'll, and it can't be just these same six families that are sending their kids off to Starfleet. I shall be patient. I shall wait till the show comes. I shall keep an open mind about this. And I, I am trying not to see the leaks, but you can't help it. You know, if you're scrolling through oh, Tumblr or whatever, and people are freaking out going, oh, look at this picture it's to bring. Like, well, I guess I'm going to see it because I'm not going to, you know, throw my phone across the room or something. Right, right. Oh, yes. boy. Anyway, uh, so all that is happening. Lots and lots of Trek coming now. Uh, we can talk a little bit about Discovery. I am still behind uh, by a couple <laughs> of episodes because, you know, it's a major investment of time and emotion to watch Discovery. Um, <laughs> it is. Got to pay attention so hard. Um, they are whispering less as we're going on here. Yes. So that's really good. Uh, I finished watching up through episode seven. And and was that um, the end of the first half of the season? Yes, was that's that correct. Yes. Okay, all right. So all right. Uh, I saw that, and uh, I believe this episode seven was the one where they had that big conference, and they decided that they're going to try diplomacy with the extra galactic right. people, and Tarka and Book decide they're going to blow it up instead. Mm-hmm. So right. um, my thoughts about all this are just that, you know, Unfortunately, Tarka, who we're calling the low-rent Elon Musk, is uh, <laughs> he's the most interesting person in the show. <laughs> he is. I mean, you know, when he first showed up and had been there for a couple minutes, I went, oh, a character I want to know yeah, about. so, you know, he's a new character. He's not an old resurrected character. He's not somebody's family 
or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He's just new and he's obnoxious and um, he's clearly evil. So I, I feel that pretty strongly that he's lying about everything. And he's really playing the I'm smarter oh, than yes. all of you card, you know, really hard. Well, that's so. the Elon Musk part coming out. Maybe he <laughs> it's has true. an emerald mine or something. So one <laughs> thing that confused me in that episode, and I actually had to go do research online because the way that it was written in the script was so unclear. When he was talking about wanting the power from the um, thing, the DMA, DMA, thank you. Um, I always want to say something else, like NDA. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he he said that he had been imprisoned by the Emerald Chain, and he was working with a partner, and I don't know how he meant partner, like working right. partner or life partner or whatever, and that it was about trying to get to a different universe that's not the mirror universe. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the way he said it, it was like, so does that mean he's from a different universe or he just wants to get to a different universe and was his partner from a different universe or just oh I know so it seems from what everybody on the internet says that the story is that his partner was from a different universe but but he um Elon Musk Tarka is not but he wants to go. Well, there. you see, everybody on the on the internet is wrong. So, <laughs> first of all, clear that because I'm going to tell please, you the truth. Please, please tell me. These are just two guys doing a podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's like, what what is happening? So, this whole explanation sounds bogus to me, right? Like he's just making this up. And mm-hmm. his whole explanation, like he wants to go to a different multiverse and he's developing tech to do that. It's like, but how, why, well, why? why does he want to go? And, and yeah. how could you do it? You know, the whole thing about the mirror universe is that it required everything to be aligned exactly perfectly to, to get mm-hmm. there. So how could you possibly have tech that would make you get to one that's a, not the mirror universe and B is one that you actually want to go to you don't it's not like there are coordinates that you could set it's just now anyway this brings up an interesting question that I've never thought about before are all alternate universes do they all have their beginning somewhere in let's let's decide it's established that we are the prime Mm -hmm. universe that they all grew out of that, like, you know, a family tree coming all out of Adam and Eve or something? Or are some of them just entirely different where there aren't human beings and Earth doesn't exist and they don't breathe air? I mean, both. I, I think if you take... <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. If you take the multiverse theory really seriously, there are an infinite number of universes that branch out mm-hmm. from the beginning of everything from the big bang from the right. big bang so yeah. starting at the big bang maybe before i don't know cuz we don't know what that's about so, but starting at the big bang every millisecond caused a branching universe mm-hmm. and there are some that are i guess you would say closer because they branched off from the prime universe and we can get to those and maybe there are other ones that are I hate using this terminology, but farther away, like more incompatible mm-hmm. that we couldn't. And, you know, there. what about the one that was created 30 seconds ago? Like that would be easy to get to, I guess. And the, Well, that's what I'm going to kind of wondering as a secondary point is, did they all come from the Big Bang and they're all on their own paths and, you know, going along the way they are. And this idea of ours splitting into new universes every 10 seconds like you say um that that's that's a falsehood uh, who knows i mean anything is i know i'm just i never thought about these things before yeah, i i guess the way well the way it was conceived in by the writers of enterprise when we talked about the stupid mirror universe episode it was in mm-hmm. fact that the mirror universe had branched off from the prime universe at some point in our history so Mm -hmm. that one definitely is where that came from now the universe the kelvin universe is also a branch off of our universe that happened so there are two that we know of that actually were Mm -hmm. created as a branch of our own and presumably there are more but 
I'm sure if you take that, that there must be more, but I, I still don't get how you could navigate to a desired location without knowing more about it or they're having, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess they'll just hand wave it away if this actually turns out to be true, but I don't think it's true. I I just think it's all bullshit. Even outside of Star Trek, it's interesting to, to speculate and think about like if what we think is going to another iteration of our universe is maybe actually as close as we ever get to time travel. Yeah, sure. You yeah, know, I mean, I, I don't, as, as a philosophical concept, I have no problem with the multiverse theory. Like, Oh, sure. me neither. Why I not? just want to know more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day we'll find out. I, I don't know. Um, so I hope that this is going to get resolved in some interesting way. But the thing that was intriguing to me was this idea that it's extragalactic, right? Now, in TOS, mm-hmm. and I, I believe in some of the other series, there there were encounters with extragalactic species. Um, you yes, know, the, the, the ones who turn people into tetrahedrons. That's right, the ones where Scotty <laughs> defeated them right. by getting them drunk. Um, yes. So there was that one, but there were other things also. But, you know, of course, the first thing I thought of was them the enterprise going to the edge of the galaxy and encountering that barrier and you know our Uh good friend gary mitchell getting turned into a god like is that gonna happen i uh, Mm -hmm. they've established that haven't they that that's what's at the barrier of the galaxy well it it can kind of be like you know if you think of the galaxy as let's say a country like the u.s at the edge of the united states to the west is the Atlantic is the Pacific Ocean, but to the north it's Canada. So there's only godlike powers in some parts of the barrier. Well, and you could fly above and below that barrier. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that fearsome. <laughs> so it's like the turnstile at the border. You could just jump over it yeah, if you really need to. Yeah. yeah, sneak around the border guards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that that is definitely a possibility. Um, th- there were. You know, discovery, right? There are some things I really like mm-hmm. about it and some other things that it's just like, uh, um, when they were getting this in the previous episode, they were getting the ship shredded as they were going in and out of the DMA. Um, I was waiting for those fry stations on the bridge to start spewing flame again, but they didn't. So that mm-hmm. was very uh, disappointing because I wanted to see that. <laughs> but there was another scene in the Tahoe room that was like, you know, the ski chalet. Um, they, so, okay. They've established that there's an extra galactic threat and they have to save now they're not just saving the solar system they're saving the whole galaxy and everything that's in it Mm -hmm. by going there and they have to rely on a guy who's clearly evil to do that um i thought that the conference that they had in in the starfleet headquarters was ridiculous like first of all there were no chairs Mm -hmm. right (laughs) everybody had to stand for hours and hours and that they were all on all those different levels and everything like oh come mm-hmm. on I, it looked good but it yep. was it was very impractical Ugh. showing mm-hmm. off you set designers just showing off yes. um of the enterprise crew um saru continues to be the best character on there and he really should be captain of that ship um i got to say um it becomes in the episodes you haven't seen yet at least to me more and more evident that burnham should not be captain that she is too immature and they are to my way of thinking toning down the military aspect of it and I'm not talking about weapons I'm talking about yes you know these people are friends and everything but you know there are protocols and there are ways you act on the bridge that you do not act when you're having drinks you know and it's it's like, and and I'm finding that less interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're spending a lot of time building up the relationships between the people in the crew, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that you had warned me about that one episode where every single character <sighs> says, "When I was ten years old." By yes. by like the fourth time, I was screaming at the television because it was uh-huh. so bad why did they do that why did the writers do that 
surely they must have noticed that after the second time you you play that note in an episode people are on to you and they're like they better not do this again and then they did it uh, more yep. oh i bad. know it was so sloppy oh, just awful and and that you know the that was the episode where they went into the dma and and it was very tense and there was a time limit on it and people are taking time out of this yes. incredibly stressful situation to tell a little story about how when they were 10 years old and oh god and this is why i love you <laughs> oh stop just stop yeah yeah <sighs> um and and i'm still <sighs> sorry i'm i'm just gathering my thoughts here the the okay um, the things that we love about TOS and TNG and, and to the other series to extent is that when the main characters make a speech or have something important to say, it's done sparingly, right? And and mm-hmm. they have the weight of everything else behind them when they have to, to you know, try to move hearts and minds. And the risk right. is our business speech is the epitome of that. But Picard got some really good speeches also. And I just don't, I don't feel it for Discovery. You know, when Burnham makes a speech Mm-mm. or when somebody, when Culber makes a speech or Stamets makes a speech, it's like, uh, could you mm-hmm. just stop? You know, yeah. you don't need to be speechifying. We, we should limit this to one little speech per show and not have it be this big, long exposition. Like, good for the, the actors for memorizing all that dialogue, but I it just, <laughs> I, I don't... The, it, it really showed up in that episode where, where they were having this conference because there's, it's just speech after speech after speech, right? And then Book makes mm-hmm. his big emotional speech, which was good, but then Burnham has to make her speech and like, oh, just stop, just stop. You're not Captain Kirk, just stop. They, it's like the the many uh, third season TOS episodes. They are trying to stretch a 15-minute yes. story into an hour. And here they're trying to stretch a three-episode story into a yeah, season. Yeah, I think that's true. So anyway, uh, so I am looking forward to seeing who the extragalactic people are, if in fact they are extragalactic. I'm, I'm also, you know, kind of divided about whether that's true or not. They, they seem mm-hmm. to think it is, but maybe it isn't. And I'm just waiting for Tarka turn, to turn out to be evil. I'm actually waiting for Tarka to turn out to be Lorca's friend or something. <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, this is, I'm trying to think, I don't think this has anything to do with Tarka, but in the most recent episode, it turns kind of soap opera. Oh, no. Oh, why? (laughs) I don't know. All right. Okay. Well, this is why I I can only watch like one per three days or so, because I have to (laughs) recalibrate my my spirit after I do it. Well, this is why I'm glad I'm sort of watching it on schedule, because um, I only have to try to figure out what's going on in one. And anything I've forgotten, I just go, eh, Lena, catch me up, you know. So it's it's this low stress thing. It is. Oh, boy. Okay, the one other thing that I liked, I really like this weird um, quasi-romantic relationship between Saru and the Vulcan president, the Nevar president. Mm-hmm. I think it's cute. I think it is very cute the way that they're, you know, sort of edging towards having a date or whatever it is they're doing. I don't know. <laughs> I like yeah. it. I like it a lot. all right um i tell you what let's take a little break and then we've got some bill stuff to talk about and then i i have some things to complain about as always sorry everyone but that's just (laughs) the way it goes okay let's take our break and we will be right back space a final frontier These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news.
I have some water. Good. Well, let's talk about William Shatner because we don't talk about him enough. Nobody talks about him enough. Not Not even even him. him. (laughs) But um, apparently he was just up up in Vancouver for Fan Expo. So Bill's getting back into the swing of of going to these things, and he's going to be going to showings of Wrath of Khan. And um, there was an interview that was done by a a local Vancouver media-type person, and it's really a good one. Well, there's a nice picture of him in his spacesuit, so that's that's good. Yes. Um, I like, it was funny, the um, the headline says, Fan Expo Vancouver, from rockets to riding, William Shatner never stops. And then the subhead says, at a time when most would consider slowing down, William Shatner is still hustling. And I really, for a minute, I had conflated those two, and I thought the headline actually said, from rockets to riding, William Shatner never stops hustling. <laughs> Well, I was thinking at a time when most people are considering slowing down, it should be at a time when most people dead. are dead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, geez, his birthday is coming up again soon. He's going to be 91 in a month, in just yes. about a month. It's a good, so it's a very good interview. Yes, it really is. And actually, I was thinking of a, a different one, too, that I didn't post, but it had, I thought, like the the coolest, most just with it, answer Bill had at the very beginning, the person goes, it's wonderful to be talking with you. And Bill goes, you don't know that yet. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, that's quick. That's fast, you know, because sometimes people hate interviewing really? him. <laughs> I, I liked, well, what I, I like in this article and other ones that we've read, including when you're just referencing, is that writing about interviewing William Shatner is now part of an interview with William Shatner, right? Yes. Like everybody who interviews him has written it in a way where they have to talk about the interview itself. This one starts off Mm -hmm. by saying, interviewing William Shatner is nearly impossible. (laughs) And and there are like lots of other quotes in here about how hard it is to ask him new questions. And I remember there was another one where the guy was interviewing him over Skype and he kept just talking about how he was asking questions and Bill kept taking them in a different direction and then ended up by interviewing him. And so... It seems like everybody who goes into this just has to write about what an experience it is to talk to William Shatner. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, uh, here's one yeah, thing I yes. do like. You know, um, it's talking about being an actor, being a working actor, and especially at his age. Echoing such legends as Michael Caine and his old Stratford mate Christopher Plummer on what it is to be a working actor, giving every part, everything is the rule. So you can look back and say... I hope that was done to the best of my skill and satisfactory. And that's one of the things you and I have talked about so much with Bill. He's never phoning it in. not ever. Not for anything. He's there. He's Mm -hmm. working. He is working. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things people go, oh, he was so hateful and everybody hated him. Why did they they keep hiring him? And I went, uh, he showed up on time. He knew his lines. He hit his marks. Maybe he just worked harder than you did. <laughs> right, right. I really liked this uh, piece of writing uh, in this. It says, his ability to be in the right place at the right time to catch trends isn't as easy as it appears. He's always hustling and the brand he's selling is him. And I, I, I was yep. thinking about that. And, you know, his he has the philosophy, as we've talked about, where he just doesn't say no to a lot of things. And so I think just simply by virtue of him saying yes to so much stuff, he does end up being mm-hmm. in the right place at the right time. Because everybody knows yeah. him. And, and he is in so many places, right? One of them is bound to be the right one. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. that every time he's in a place, it's the right time and the right place. It's just that his average is better than most people because he does so much. And some of it is stupid and some of it is crap. But if you do enough stuff you know, and you're in the right places, it's going to work out for you eventually. You know, don't be Mm -hmm. so picky because the less things you do, the less likely it is that some of those things are going to succeed. Bill's sort of the epitome of don't put all your eggs in one basket. He's never done that. He has a thousand baskets. (laughs) And 10,000 eggs. eggs. Yes, 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 that's, that's him. That is him. 
Yeah. Um, I also like, apparently he had just finished a competition, a reigning competition yes. in uh, Northern California. And he, I love this. He says, I had a monumental moment this past Saturday night when I rode my horse better and faster than ever. Reining is a very athletic sport filled with long sliding stops, 180 degree turns, fast circle spins and all that. This ride was so good that it's still with me and I'm just <laughs> glowing. Oh, that's great. And, you know, if you've ever been really passionate about some activity where you have, you know, just pushed yourself as far as you can go, and then you actually go past that, that's amazing. Yep, I totally agree. And it's, it's great that he is still winning stuff at age 90. Mm-hmm. He just gets out there and, and, you know, he doesn't like to lose, of course. So he's going to go mm-hmm. out there and give it his all. Um, Yeah, it's great. It's just great. So... He is doing a lot of public appearances this year. I mean, you know, COVID pending, I guess. Um, and he's always got things going on. What did he say? He's doing something in April. He said he's appearing at the Kennedy Center to perform six songs from the new album that he just had. Yes. Out. So that's amazing. And I've also heard that uh, Ben Folds is going to oh. be there too. Um, he also says, I'm trying to sell a game show. Okay. He's very excited about an animated version of the Tech War science fiction novels, which is going to be awful, but, um, you know, you go, Bill, if people are interested in it. I wonder if he's going to reprise his character because he was a character in it. But he wasn't the lead. He wasn't Jake Cardigan, a name I will never forget. It's so bad. (laughs) Uh, I, I have I mentioned this before, but I have so enjoyed the um, the guys from Mystery Science Theater and Rift Tracks who do 372 pages will never get back, which is a podcast about bad books. And they spent many, <laughs> many weeks talking about the Tech War book and, um, oh my you God. know, all of the things from it that were uh, amazing and ridiculous and terrible and the line that they quote, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but they thought that this was the funniest thing. Now, of course, we have to realize Bill didn't write this whole book by himself, right? He wrote it with right, this guy right. named Ron Goulart, who just recently passed away, who was a mm. prolific science fiction writer and also wrote with a lot of people as a, a co-author or a ghostwriter. And um, one of the lines that they always quoted was, uh, in the future, you know, there are robots who are like people and... Um, there was a robot pimp. You don't need <laughs> okay. to know why. It doesn't matter. No, I, but, I did, but the I, line okay. was the the this character says something, and then the text was said the robot pimp disdainfully. <laughs> and that was just the funniest thing. And it still comes up in there. This is like two years later on the podcast. They will still yeah. point that out as like you know that's you could just add that to anything, right? And and it instantly mm-hmm. improves the quality of your book or your your dialogue or whatever <laughs> said the robot pimp disdainfully it's a disdainful robot it is. Pimp. it's great it's just so good oh uh, so yes i i would encourage people to go listen to those episodes of the podcast because it is really really funny and then <laughs> y- you know they give you such detail you don't have to read the book you can just what is the podcast it's called, called... <laughs> 372 pages will never get back okay all right <laughs> Okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, there's going to be animated version of Tech War. Great. I hope it goes right after Lower Decks on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Let's talk about Star Trek again. Um, this okay. article is amazing. Uh, had you ever heard about this before this article, this plot? Um, which article are we talking about? The, um... the one that's in Red Shirts Always Die. Oh, no. I've never heard about this. <laughs> Um, but it was at the top of my list. Yes. And I'm not going to give it away. First of all, it had a great graphic at the top. Yes, yes. You know. uh-huh. But um, at one point, uh, Star Trek, the original series, one episode that was pitched back in 1966 would have stirred up all kinds of controversy. The premise was that a physicist aboard the Enterprise had been doing some work in time travel, as one does. <laughs> uh-huh. And he ends up materializing a human from the 19th century, a human who, in the future, would father Adolf Hitler. Oh, my God. 
Can you? So they meet, and his name is Alwa Shikokruber. Uh huh. Uh huh. And that sounds like a relative of Dwight's from the <laughs> office. Well, that was Hitler's name. He was his original name, I believe, um, before it got yeah. to Hitler. Yeah, Schickelgruber. Uh huh. I think it says Schickelgruber. Schickelgruber adopted his stepfather's last name of Hitler. Uh-huh. Um, and Hitler would be born and go on and do all these horrible things. So, you know, what are they going to do? What is Captain Kirk going to have this tough decision of, you know, should he forcibly sterilize the guy? Should Jesus they not Christ. let him go back? Should they kill him? You know, and um, luckily Gene Roddenberry and others made a wise decision oh. in passing on yes. this. Yes, good, good decision because it would have been horrible. And also, let's not forget that this was not that long after World War II. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And also in the TV business, this wasn't that far into Star Trek. You put something like this up on the screen and you're canceled. Yes, I think so. I'm still amazed that they did Patterns of Force with all the Nazi stuff that was in it. Like, <sighs> yeah. there, I mean, there were people who fought in World War II who would have seen that shit in real life. You know, it's like, uh, really? Is this what you want in your TV show? How strange. But then again, Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> I was just going to say, and that was on earlier oh, than Star God, Trek. so weird. A few few years what, earlier. What so. is wrong with us? Um, I'm so glad that this never made it, and, and it's just insane to think about that as a pitch. Now, interestingly, in here, it doesn't say who pitched it. I know. They don't give us the name of the, the pitcher or the writer nope. or anything like nope. that. Um, what I was going to say is... We're, <laughs> I don't know if I've read this in an article or if you and I saw this happen at a con, but um, do you remember going to a con where Joan Collins was on stage with Bill? Oh boy, I think so. I know, I know, I know we uh-huh. were there, but I don't know that she said this. She is such an idiot. <laughs> I was Hitler's girlfriend. Oh, do you believe it? I was Hitler's girlfriend. Yes. It's like, oh, oh no. Uh, yes, I know. She. Yes, I remember that now. Thank you for reminding me. I think okay. I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> Anytime. She's just making <laughs> shit up. It doesn't matter. Um, the I just want to point out that um, there's a great typo here. So oh. it's right at the top. The headline is Star Trek: The Original Series was pitched, was pitched an episode about Hitler's father. That's a strange grammatical construction. And then the mm-hmm. subhead is Star Trek: The Original Series didn't mind wading into murky waters, and murky is misspelled, like Merkwood. <laughs> right. So maybe there were elves there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe they think that's the way murky is spelled. There was something else we were looking at that had the word linchpin misspelled, which so many people misspelled, and it makes me insane every single time. (laughs) It's an I, not a Y. Different word. (laughs) Because they're thinking lynching. That's the only context they have for it. I know. Jeez. (laughs) All right. But anyway, this Hitler thing would have been horrible. But how would they have resolved it? I, I mean... I think they would have had to kept history the same, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they they would have just sent him back, I guess, because otherwise things wouldn't yeah. have turned out totally different. Like they can't mess with the time. Well, it's like they let um Hitler's girlfriend die. <laughs> That's true. They did getting run over by a truck. Yeah. yeah. So. so I think that would have had it. This this suggestion that they forcibly sterilize him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, that would have been, I mean, I'm not saying it's a good option, and I can't see them doing it, but that would be one way of solving the problem. It's true, but I just don't see how they could have written that into an episode of television in 1967. Mm -hmm. Mm. What are the words that they would have used to describe the plan? (laughs) We're going to irradiate his genitals so he can't make children? Like, come on, they're not going to do that. We're going to uh, neutralize his child making. Yeah, it's... Capacity. Uh-huh. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. All right. Um, I want to now, now that we've talked about that, and I, I don't want us to go too long. Um, here, here are two things. So, number one, I continue to watch Space 1999 and put myself through the agony that is Space 1999. I think I mentioned before that in season two of Space 1999, um, Fred Freiberger was brought on, the guy who was the producer for season three of Star Trek. And boy, you really see that effect. Um, 
there are at least two different episodes that I just watched recently that are direct ripoffs of Star Trek episodes. So there was one that was Arena. So the crew uh-huh. gets beamed down to a pl- beamed. They go down to a planet and um, the the master intelligence is making them fight to prove which is worthier. Just, uh-huh. you know, like, okay, I guess, but it's just, it's the same beats and everything. And I kept going like, you know, make a cannon out of bamboo. And <laughs> they did end up making like bows and it just like built it like, oh, make a bow and arrow mm-hmm. and do this and do that. Yeah. It's just, it was terrible. And then the one that was on that I watched last night was um, a combination of the Nomad and the M5 episode. So it was a computer that achieved sentience and was going to mm-hmm. take over the ship and, and all this other stuff. And they had to Kirk it. They had to drive it insane with uh, illogic. <laughs> and um, yes. eventually it was just like the Nomad episode because they had uh, a fake impression of the guy who had built the computer. So it was like the Roy Kirk thing. Um, and, mm, and, that, okay. and, and eventually the way that they defeated this computer, which rolled around on little wheels, by the way, it was the most ridiculous uh-huh. thing you've ever seen was that they pushed it out an airlock. <laughs> they really did. And wow. that killed it. Okay. Because it needed to uh, breathe? Just, it wasn't really explained. <laughs> it, okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. So, yeah. And, and it's really bad at the end of most episodes. They do the thing that was so bad in the third season of Star Trek where they would all gather around Kirk on the bridge and they'd make a little racist joke or something and then they'd all go, ah, so funny. And I always called that the bonanza Oh, it ending. was. So A lot of bonanzas ended yep, like that. So now that's the way the Space 1999 episodes are ending with the bonanza laugh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll keep you guys up on that because there's bound to be no, something do. eventually. <laughs> but now I want to talk about... Hey, is it is it full of guest stars that you're recognizing? Oh, there have been so many. In fact, the yeah. guy who did the voice for the computer and also was the image of the computer's creator was a British actor named Bernard Cribbins who played uh, Donna Noble's granddad, Wilfred Mott, on Doctor Who. <gasps> oh, I yep. love that character. Yes, he had a... I knew I recognized the name. I just couldn't place it. That's great. Um, he did the weirdest accent, and it was like a cross between, uh, like a Cockney street vendor and a Catskills mm-hmm. comedian. It was like it had these weird, like um, New York nineteen thirties inflections. Uh-huh. But the Cockney stuff la- layered over the top of it. It was. It was almost incomprehensible in parts you know you're watching like what is he saying and why yeah. why are oh, you wow. doing this yeah oh. but yeah there have been a lot of good uh stars more stars in season one than in season two i think they didn't have the budget for for right. more right. more and better guest stars in season two okay here's the last thing as i promised i read that beatles cozy mystery that you let me know about <laughs> and well, just to get the obvious thing out of the way, it wasn't good. <laughs> no. It really wasn't Even good. Even with all four Beatles? The Beatles had cameos in this. It wasn't It oh. wasn't really, you know, they didn't have much to do except for just popping their little mop tops in once in a while to see what was going on. Um, I think that the guy who wrote this watched the documentary that I saw. I don't know if you saw it. But it was about Frida Kelly, who was the president of the Beatles. Oh, yes, yes, I saw that. It was called I Good Old that. Frida. And it was great. Good Old Frida. It was a great, yes. great documentary. And uh, for people who are interested in the Beatles, you should absolutely watch it because she is fascinating. And it gives you such a look into what it was like at the time in Liverpool. And um, and making that transition. Yeah. She was, yeah, yeah that's, that is a good documentary. It's a very good documentary. And, you know. I, I can't believe that all these years later, she still won't say if she ever like slept with any of them. I think mm-hmm. she did. And I think it was Paul, but that's my personal opinion <laughs> because okay. he slept with everyone back then anyway. Oh yeah. Um, so I think he watched that because Frida Kelly is in fact the main, the other main character in this book. And, and she's called she's Frida, called Frida Kelly? Kelly. Like, like, is that okay? I'm not sure that that's okay. 
Just yeah. about everybody else featured in this book is either fictional or dead, except for Paul and Ringo, but they're not really in it. They're just cameos, so I get that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Brian Epstein has a pretty big part, and he's dead. Um, there are a couple other people who were in it, like Mal Evans, who's also dead. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. It feels really weird to have Frida Kelly be in this so much and have her still be a person who's alive and who values her privacy really highly. But maybe she just doesn't give a shit. I don't know. Um, Maybe she wrote this. (laughs) No, there's a picture of the author. So that's, who can't fake that? Okay, go ahead. I will just, I want to say a couple of things and I have a a couple of very uh, uh, pointed criticisms of it. So for one thing, you know, I've read a lot of fanfic in my day, and so have you, and this mm-hmm. thing is so much worse than so much of the fanfic that I've read, <laughs> right? Like, people who write fanfic and are really passionate about it, as we used to do in the day, will spend mm-hmm. weeks researching stuff, right? Like, you yes. look things up to find out, like, how does this work, or how did people behave, or what would they have worn, or, or you know, how did they talk, and what did things cost, and all the rest of it. This guy mm-hmm. has done none of that, so... There's a lot of anachronisms throughout, and you're like, "Uh, I don't know, that doesn't really work. So that's definitely part of it. Um, The other thing is that he did the opposite of a Mary Sue, and maybe there's a name for this that I don't know. So the Mary Sue, as the main character, is the girl who is extra special and knows how to do everything. The main character in this is a girl named Helen, who is the opposite. So she doesn't really know how to do stuff. She's very clumsy. Um, She's kind of making mistakes. She's knocking stuff off of desks. She dresses Mm -hmm. very kind of plainly and frumpily. Um, She's not charming. She's very plain looking. She blends into the background a lot. And I feel like that's another trope in fanfic, right? Like the totally unexceptional bordering on, you know, can't function in this world who gets plucked out and put into this special situation and I don't know if there's a name for that or not I don't know if there's a name for that and I'm not sure I've really seen it in fan fiction but it appears frequently in mysteries Mm. and then at the end it turns out that's a role she was playing because she's there as a spy or you know really has has exceptional talents but for reasons they explain in the mystery she had to pretend to be a totally inept okay. person. Well, that's not the case here. <laughs> really she is really that. is an All inept right. person, although she does end up sort of solving the mystery. It's mm. not a mystery. Um, yeah, P.S. This is billed as a cozy Beatles mystery. It's not a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's just cozy Beatles. It's just Beatles. cozy Beatles and something <laughs> happens and then it's a problem that gets solved. That's all. It's, okay. And, okay. And so um, here's the plot as briefly as I can make it. Um, the lyrics to Please Please Me get stolen by an unscrupulous uh, wannabe... Lyrics theft. Yeah, a wannabe... <laughs> lyrics theme. Uh, music impresario in Liverpool who wants to re- have somebody record the song and sort of steal it out from under the Beatles, even though he doesn't have the music, just the lyrics. So the whole rest of the book is our hero trying to get the lyrics back and expose this bad bad man for all he's worth that's it that's the whole book okay so here's the thing that i was saying about research right (laughs) yes so just because someone steals the lyrics to a song you can't just go and record it and say hi it's my song now (laughs) right it doesn't work that way especially because it's explicitly said in the book that the Beatles had already recorded a demo of it. Yeah. I was going to say, well, why didn't they just record it before this person got, you know, got into a studio? So they did. (laughs) The other thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Please Please Me is pretty early in their catalog. It is, yes. And if they hadn't even got to the when will the bubble burst uh-huh. time questions. So you don't know the Beatles were going to become this huge phenomenon. So, yeah, desperately try to steal their stuff and say it's yours. It makes no, no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And then the, um, the this guy, I can't even remember his name, the bad guy, um, thinks that somehow by doing this, he might convince the Beatles to leave Brian Epstein and come 
be managed by him like oh yeah this, definitely that that's that's a great yeah, plan. that's not really <laughs> explained so it's weird and brian is apparently very very worried that this is going to happen like what what are you talking about um oh. so that's bad and then um uh, let's see i have a couple of things highlighted here where the writing is just really weird there are scenes in here that are definitely taken from the the frida kelly documentary like there's lots of scenes of um her hauling in mail bags and the mail is all stacked mm -hmm. and she's opening the mail and reading some of these letters and i remember that from the documentary yeah i um, do too but she also has to go to the shows, the lunchtime shows at the Cavern Club to sign up people mm -hmm. for the fan club, which I guess was also yep. a thing. Um, but it it doesn't, I hate when authors can't keep track of their own writing. So, <laughs> right, so so she'll, she'll go to the office and she and Frida will open mail and then they'll go to the Cavern for lunchtime and they'll uh, sign up people and they'll go back to the office and they'll work and then they got to go back to the cavern for an evening show to do something and then they go back to the office and they keep working it's like but now it's 11 o'clock at night what like yeah that, go home and, go get, home some and get some sleep and this doesn't seem to be commented on like <laughs> okay that's weird um and then there's a whole other scene where people are in a restaurant and the food is brought to their table and they eat it and then like a half a page later the food is brought to the table again <laughs> like ah. could you just read over what you just wrote you like read your own writing god damn it it's so annoying um jeez there are there are a couple of good things i thought that the description of being in the cavern club and watching them perform was actually pretty good uh so oh, okay. you know if you've ever been to a concert in a small club i think it's pretty good to recreate that and i like uh -huh. that part of it um but this is very weird so our main character as i said is a is a klutz she's never had a boyfriend her mother's always after her to have a boyfriend so you know she has zero experience with boys or anything like that so of course whenever she encounters the beatles she gets totally flustered um so here she says this is after a show that they went to not at the cavern it was somewhere else I think I understood for the first time just what they brought to the glowing, sw growing swarm of fans. They made me feel happy. More than that, I felt like I was part of something special, unique and different and mine. This is what it must feel like after having sex. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> like, hmm. Okay, I guess. Well, that, that could be one of the things it feels like. I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> it was just weird. It was like, just a strange way to express it. Um. There's a scene where John goes to the refrigerator and pulled out a beer and then popped the top off of it. So, number one, I don't think there was canned beer in England in 1962 or three. Mm -hmm. Number two, yeah. even if there was canned beer, it didn't have pop tops. Right. You needed, you needed a, can a can opener. opener. I think if there was any kind of beer that people had in their homes, it was bottled beer. Or, or beer mm -hmm. that you would, you know, you would get it into a container filled up at the pub and then bring it home. And yeah. that just kind of jerked me right out of the story. Um, uh -huh. There are lots of things like that. And um, I don't feel like the Beatles were particularly written the way they talk. And I know that that's a hard thing to capture, but gosh, there's so much footage of them talking and recordings of them talking you know for as much as they are in this mm -hmm. book you could have easily just taken something that they actually said and stuck it in here as a quote and it would have sounded oh. more like the Beatles than they did yeah oh bummer so um here's one sentence that I wanted to read for you because it tickled my little fan fiction heart as she starts off this book it starts let's start at the beginning two years before 1964 and it really let's see that could be <laughs> but that just really reminded me of but that was before it was six, six months, months later, later. <laughs> oh, man you know i swear people who who write these things and people who write fanfic we've already mastered time travel <laughs> it's so funny so anyway um I am not going to read any more Cozy Beatles mysteries because this took me two evenings to read and I could have been reading something else. Oh, that, that's hideous. Yeah. So uh, 
there are there's lots of Beatles fan fiction on Archive of Our Own, and I, I read oh, yeah. a few that were really interesting and fun and way better written than this thing. So, you know, good for you, guy who wrote this. I'm. It seems like it made you happy to do it, and I hope you sold a few copies. Mm-hmm. But you know, don't get your hopes up. You need an editor, basically. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're not exactly ending on an upbeat Well, note. you know, I guess I would <laughs> just say, uh, I, it, it, it just, it always just strikes me when I read stuff like this that um, there is so much better stuff out there, and that this is what ends up getting published. And I know that this is self-published on Amazon, right. but that um, you know, you could probably pick something at random off of Ao3, and it would be better than this. Well, you know, um. One of the things that keeps showing up in my Facebook feed lately are advertisements for books, uh-huh. and they're always taken out by the author. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they don't tell you the name of the book, but it's so great and so wonderful. And then if you click through, you find out, and you go, it takes you straight to Amazon. And it's really interesting to read the reviews, because usually these are authors who it I've never heard of, but it appears they have a certain amount of fame or known to some fans <laughs> and they'll go on oh this is so wonderful and this character and everything and then there'll be one from somebody who I go that's me <laughs> that says um it's an interesting story but my god he really needed an editor <laughs> and this is something that is not in everybody's mind yeah. you know if it's if the the uh, if it's not really long paragraphs and it's kind of a fun story and stuff, they're happy with it. I mean, somebody you know watched uh, uh, Ozzy and Harriet, you know, and there's nothing there. I I wonder if you know in in fan fiction circles you have a beta reader, and a right. beta reader is great, but a beta reader isn't an editor. And I wonder if mm-hmm. there is just a whole class of authors who think that beta readers and editors are the same thing. That um, I'm sure there are. And there, it's also a fact that the publishers simply, I think, do um, spelling checker, yeah. you know, automated proofreading, because some of the stuff that shows up... Mm-hmm. And then there's also the authors who get famous and suddenly their next book is 700 pages yes. long because I don't need no stinking yeah, editor. I know. I just, I think, yeah, it's unfortunate that that is the way that things seem to be going. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think if I was ever going to write a novel and publish it, I would be so terrified that it was shit that I would absolutely spend my own money to hire an editor to make sure that it wasn't shit. <laughs> but it would be your first book what happens four books later when you're always top of the bestsellers list i always want an editor i don't have that much confidence i would think you would but i think a lot of people don't (laughs) (laughs) i would be the least confident person about my writing i mean i am Mm -hmm. if i ever write anything it's just like uh is this good is this shit it's probably shit it probably is when when you watch a movie and it's a good movie and you enjoy it, that's great. And two years later, they come out with the director's cut. <laughs> Are you excited to see uh, that? Usually, no. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you had an editor for a reason. That That is why. Mm-hmm. Just like you have a sound person for a reason, you know. Well, uh, bearing all that in mind, I think that um, the editors on Discovery are probably doing God's work because who knows what that would be like <laughs> if they weren't cutting a lot of stuff out. Yeah, you got to kind of wonder on some of these where you're rolling your eyes off through the episode, if you could just see what the original uh-huh. story was pitched as, not even the first draft of the uh-huh. script. Yeah, yeah, yes, I, yep. Definitely, definitely. Well, this is my question with every episode of Space 1999. What was this really what they wanted? This is what they wanted. This, this was <laughs> the idea. Yeah, on? like the one yeah. with the, the sentient robot. I just feel like somebody said to Fred Freiberger, 
how about that episode that they did on Star Trek, right? With the, the, the sentient computer that took things over and he was like, mm-hmm. that worked. Well, let's do that. But wait, yep. how about if we put it on wheels and give it a funny voice and a little yes. face that's made out of a pie tin and uh, oh, no. yeah, and have it leering at the, the computer that's on board Space Night, you know, like just going crazy. And the, the people are like, uh-huh, sh- okay, sure, I, yep. Just, we need to get a show out. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. We should stop now. This is getting way, way off track. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, I uh, hope you all enjoyed okay, that. If you have stuck, if you have stuck with us through this entire episode, high five, you know. Oh, my God. Okay. So much to look forward to. Strange New Worlds coming soon. Lower Decks coming soon. Maybe another Star Trek movie coming in five years. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Um, but let us know what's going on. And oh, by the way, it was Gary Lockwood's birthday earlier. And yes. uh, we posted yes. about that on the Facebook group. It was his birthday, and he doesn't give a shit who knows it because he's, he's Lockwood. That's, a, that's yes. true. But he got a happy birthday from a hot He chick. did. He really did. And, and lots more, I'm sure, because he's, he I'm surrounds sure. himself with hot chicks at all times, as we know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks, everybody. Um, keep keep sending us emails and comments and um, having fun over on the Facebook page. We always love to see you there. And uh, we'll be back with another one in uh, some weeks from now. Okay. So until then, as <laughs> always, live long. Live long and potluck. Potluck.